Hi, I'm Skye, and welcome to Enchantiverse, the podcast dedicated to the wide universe of things that enchant us and make us feel alive. I can't wait to talk about all things magical and beautiful with you. Today's episode is all about the magic and adventure of art and creativity in a world and society that is actively fighting against those things. Joining me today are my two wonderful friends, Ashley Dow and Chloe Bray. Ashley is a fellow creative and magical thinker. She is a brilliant photographer based out of Henderson, Nevada, runs a Disneyland blog, and is expecting her first child. And Chloe is an incredible artist and creative with a wide variety of talents who works with many different mediums. She's studying 3D modeling for animation, working on creating an independent video game, and starting a studio surrounding that. She runs the local Renaissance Fair and Pirate Fest, and on top of that has three beautiful children. So I hope from their intros that you can get a glimpse that these two are stunning creative minds, because they are, and they're also amazing friends that I just love to death. So hi, guys. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy and excited that you two could join me today for this conversation. Um, So I feel like this was really an important conversation to have with a group of young women um, because I feel like as women we're faced with this like unique set of challenges that come with a very large amount of physical and mental and emotional labor and I feel like often that labor um, leads to exhaustion and then oftentimes leads to burnout and feelings of lack of fulfillment and joy in life and I think this can be super difficult and draining for everybody but especially for women I feel like the circumstances surrounding what we have to do every day are unique it's really easy to sort of lose the aspects of yourself that you enjoy and feel like maybe your art and creativity just aren't worth the time or the effort um, if they're not producing xyz whether that's like um financial gain, whether it's notoriety, awards, or attention. And then upon experiencing those things, I've personally come to realize that I've allowed like the grown-up world into my special creativity, like Neverland kind of world (laughs) of creativity. And I feel like it's caused me to look at my art and creativity through more of, quote, like grown-up eyes, and then judge it in ways that are firstly not really productive or fair and then also for something that I feel like creative and creativity and inspiration were never really intended to be. Um, I've always believed that creativity is something that's more like otherworldly like kind of Neverlandish and it's something that to me has always had like a touch from the fairies if you will. So (laughs) I really wanted to talk about this subject with you two and firstly address these challenges because they're real and they aren't really talked about or addressed nearly enough in my opinion but I don't really want it to end there because this is the Enchantiverse podcast and in Enchantiverse we talk about things that enchant us and make us feel alive. So I really want to then focus in on what art and creativity are and why no matter your current situation you should fulfill your dreams and grab hold of the creative ideas and desires that the fairies sprinkle upon you in passing during your day-to-day life. So in this episode we're going to talk about dreams, art, creation, and Peter Pan in Neverland, if that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds enchanting. Okay. <laughs> okay, so to start, I thought it might be refreshing if we rewind time a bit and go back to our childhoods. So Ashley and I are cousins, actually. So we grew up together and experienced that magic of childhood side by side. And when I think back to 
our childhood, what comes to mind is lots of days of swimming outside, playing outside, playing pretend. Um, we would go to our grandparents' house in the summer and we were always like mermaids in the pool or we were like in the winter and fall constantly like pretending something along the lines of like the boxcar children, like <laughs> these like orphan pioneers kids. Yeah, or <laughs> pioneers. like these orphan kids. Um, with Always no, with a terrible backstory. Yeah. <laughs> no parents. Um, hunting and gathering berries, making beds out of straw, surviving in the forest, like things like that, um, or on the plains. And then I remember a lot of indoor days of like coloring, playing Barbies, um, well past the age that I feel like most kids <laughs> played Barbies. <laughs> um, but I feel like it was a beautiful childhood, and I feel like creativity and imagination were a big part of childhood for us. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and I think our grandma was very creative as well. She was someone who loved to sew, and I think as we grew up, she'd always make any costumes that we wanted, and she just had a magical house like you mentioned so there's always lots of adventures just to await at her house yeah and I feel like most of our games were surrounding like this aspect of imagination it's very very play focused imaginative yeah I I think they were inspired a lot on fairy tales and the things that we were reading at the time like you mentioned the boxcar children the boxcart children (laughs) probably came from that or like little house on the prairie (laughs) yes yes so I think it was really inspired by what we grew up reading or true yeah Disney or something in that or like we would pretend to be witches a lot like we read Harry Potter it was just fun yeah Chloe did you have a similar experience was imagination a big part of your childhood and what did that look like for you so I, I have to say, imagination was my childhood. Yeah. So my family moved around a lot when I was, you know, like under middle school age. So I didn't have a lot of friends, but I had a lot, you know, like my younger siblings. I'm the oldest of six. Yeah. So for us, it was a built-in friend group. And we always were imagining something. Anytime we went to like a family member's house, I remember specifically my grandma, we used to like me and my cousins, we used to like play pretend that my grandma was a fairy because she had her own little garden and grew the most beautiful flowers and anything I swear any plant she touched just seemed to flourish oh I love that that she took care of and she had all these wonderful books about like the art of flower fairies and all these lovely books like especially like the Cecil Mary Barker series yeah and so a lot of our play was informed by like the fairy tales and like the the tales of the good folk. Yes. And like later, um, I know like we've talked about this like a long time ago, but mm-hmm. I loved Narnia. The yes. Chronicles of Narnia were oh my like gosh. my world. Like I didn't have a Neverland. I had a wardrobe. Yeah. And that was my, <laughs> I went to Narnia to be creative and to escape. I love it. And like. Um, I lived in Iowa for a few years and Mm -hmm. in our backyard we had this concrete square that was just in the ground and that was our stone table you know and so all of our play was informed by you know like my grandmother the fae you know Mm -hmm. the Narnia the Disney movies that we were watching and um, (laughs) 
I actually, from the Disney Peter Pan, there's a quote right at the beginning, and it says, I don't know if I wrote it down completely correctly, but it says, uh, Wendy, the eldest, not only believed, she was the ultimate authority on his tales and adventures, talking about Peter Pan, and that yeah, was me. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was like, I was the one that was the ringleader. I was the one that was, you know, setting the scene for my siblings. At night, I would tell them stories that, you know, I just made up because that's what I like to do and that's how my mind worked. Um, so, like... Looking back now, I was the Wendy. <laughs> right. I love that so much. Oh, it sounds like we had like similar yeah, experiences yeah. growing up. Like just very like wholesome, very, yeah, fantasy based. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know from both of you, do you feel like the imagination that you cultivated as a child had an impact on what you wanted to be and do as an adult? I think... Yes, when I finally let that creative part into my life again. Right. I do think that I currently, I love making things beautiful. And so I think I, as an adult, I found that from creating my home and decorating. And I think it's really easy to kind of go with the trends of the world and kind of what you see on Pinterest or what the influencers are posting yeah and as I've gotten older I've kind of leaned a little bit more away from that and just put things in there that are enchanting that are things that just bring me happiness and they probably don't look like someone else's home but they're things that just make me happy so that's kind of a way Mm -hmm. that I feel like I've let it into my life a little bit more but I do think that Um, as I've kind of let more creativity into my life, I'm seeing those childlike things, um, more prominent. Right. So like things that I used to imagine. So that's cool. I love that. Yeah. I think uh, I really feel similarly where for a while I tried to fight it, you know, I, I feel like we kind of grow up and get the, all right, it's time to grow up and get a real job now, you know, and it's so you're so discouraged from trying to reach any sort of creative um like job or goal because it's it's not practical it's Mm -hmm. not you know it's not going to support you that that only happens occasionally only like certain people get to make it that far Mm -hmm. um and so for a while I tried to just force myself into all these different, like, especially with college, I, I went through like five or six different majors trying to pick a, an adult major. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I totally. struggled so hard and I just burnt myself out trying to do something I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, especially like as a kid, I didn't like grow, like go, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to make flower crowns for, you know, like right. it never was a, I, I know exactly what creative thing I want to do as an adult, but trying to do the adult things made me realize that it just wasn't going to engage me right. in a way that was 
any sort of positive. Did you feel like you were kind of fighting against some sort of calling like to, to create like I feel like at least for me I've, d- I've done similar things where it's like I've worked in different fields that aren't mm-hmm. very creative which are still have been enjoyable for yeah, me yeah. but I feel like it's almost like oh, something's just like missing yes like, it's just like missing this little mark because things would come to me during the day like ideas or inspirations and it was like oh, okay, like, I want to do that, but I'm so tired and I'm so yeah. worn out that, like, it, it's almost like they would just drift by. And not to say I I actually am very supportive of people who have a creative, like, vocation, but maybe they're not working in a creative field. I think you can still – you're still yeah. an artist. You're still a creative. Um, but I think that it's hard when you're trying to figure out what you want to be and do mm-hmm. and – you want to do something creative like you feel like these like passions and desires within you but it's not uh it's not super supported I feel like by by the world at large and like society at large I think what's also a huge hindrance is money yeah because I feel like I had to go find a job that had monetary value where the things like you said that were I lean to that were more creative make money from it I either needed to get really good at it Mm -hmm. and dedicate all my time yes or I had to find a job that actually could easily bring in income so I think that's another thing that's hard it's super hard and it's is that yes is finding that balance yeah because you gotta eat you gotta live yeah and I think that that's normal and that's why I think it's good that people you know if you're working a job you enjoy and you're happy with that and you and you're like but I love to paint and I love or maybe you have a dream to even get to somewhere where you can quit that day job right it's okay that you're not there it's okay that you're not doing that yet there's this one uh, lady named Elizabeth Gilbert that I love she talks about this a lot and she talks about how it's a lot of pressure to put on your imagination and on your creativity to support you financially Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's a lot of pressure to put on something that's like a beautiful part of your life that you want to enjoy and it's okay you know it's totally possible to do that but for some people maybe they're not ready to do that yet and that's fine too yeah and a lot of times it takes the magic out of it yes when you have the pressure of supporting yourself on it it totally can it totally can and so it's this like very careful balance of of what you feel is best for you you know Mm -hmm. but I've seen that I've seen that a lot um yeah yeah I know I experienced like I I used to work in the medical field and that's what I thought I wanted to do yeah and literally every single day I found myself at my desk typing my notes going I wish I was somewhere else. Yes. And it wasn't just a, I'm bored, uh, you know, work was hard today, you know, it sucked, I just want to go home. It was like, like my body ached to totally. be doing something else, you totally. know? And it's one of those, like, I I wish I could have had, like, the, I guess, um, discipline to keep going and, yeah. you know, but it's one of those, like, it genuinely was affecting me so deeply that I, I struggled at work doing what I thought I loved. Right. Just because I, like, I just felt like I didn't belong there. Well, sometimes when you feel like you're fighting against what's calling to you, it can make you physically ill. Like, it can be like, 
wow, like this actually is affecting me mentally, physically. Like yeah. I, it, it can, it can suck like the life out of you, right? Because yeah, you're kind of fighting against <laughs> like this. I was talking to my husband about something yeah. similar to that. And I was like, I feel like I was Zuko, d- d- you know, during the episodes where he switches sides. Yes. Finally, and he gets so ill that he can't get up off the floor and his uncle's taking care of him. I was like, that was me for a while. Yes. I just, I felt like I couldn't move or do anything. And I was weak. Yeah. And I just like, my body just hurt. Yeah. All, like all the time. Totally. Totally. And it's so, it's so hard. I feel like. For women, it can be so hard with just, like I talked about, the the labors that are just involved in your day-to-day life. And then adding on that, you know, um, the responsibility of of making it, <laughs> of, yeah, ma- of, making, yeah. of making the money happen and of making life happen. Um, it It's so draining and it so is. hard yeah. sometimes. I am. Um... When my husband and I first got married, we we talked about, oh, do we want kids? Mm-hmm. What do we want that to look like? And I, like, I never was comfortable around kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely was like, I don't know if I even want them. Mm-hmm. I'm open to the idea. But, you know, if, if we end up having kids, I'm going to work. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'm going to work. You can be a stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. We'll make that work. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. You know? And so I felt this huge responsibility to just find something that would make enough money for us yes. and our potential children. And then, you know, after, you know, after having that experience where I was just ill every day, I was like, what do I do? Like, yeah. I feel like I'm failing my my future family that I don't even have yet because I feel like, especially as women, we tend to like very much plan our current actions to affect us in the future. Yes. Like that is, we are always doing something that is going to affect something later. Right. That is be literally, prepared. yes, be prepared. <laughs> you know, like I can foresee if this happens, we're going to need this. So I need to do right. this to, to make sure, you know, like right. it's a lot of mental planning and juggling. Yeah. And, chess almost just making sure all the pieces are in the right place (laughs) right and so can't you see how like this all this mental work and the the thoughts of survival and money and caring for everyone making sure kids are okay husband's okay house is okay like you have so much and of course you have help hopefully you know from (laughs) our partners but it can I feel like it can affect us to get out of that mindset of wait, but like, I want to live this other type of life. I want to, even though I have all these things going on, I want my mental state to be feeling how I want to feel, which for me as a creative person, I want to feel that free light feeling. And so how, how do we accomplish that? And and so those are the questions I've been facing and the things I've been feeling throughout the years where it's like, I'll try, like, I try to get in that headspace, but then there's just so much pressure and there's just so much to do that it can be so easy, I feel like, to not be in the mental or the creative space that I want to be. Yeah, yeah. So something that I remember very vividly as a child, as we're talking about entering into adulthood, I remember as a kid being super keenly aware that childhood was not going to last. Like, I remember... (laughs) It would like stress me out like the older I got, like 
each birthday, I'd be like, oh man, I only have like X amount of summers left at my house. Or um, I don't know if you guys had a similar experience, but it was something that kind of instilled some anxiety into me and worry into me um, because I like loved being a kid. (laughs) As I said, like I really enjoyed like being a child and having that freedom. And so I knew when it was time for me to be an adult that there was going to be some things that I would have to do that were going to be a little scary and take away from some of that childlike freedom. So I was also pretty aware that pretty much like in every classic movie that I loved, the adults didn't care for like childish things anymore. And I remember not wanting to be that way. I even remember having a specific conversation with Ashley, maybe a few times, maybe it was something we said repeatedly, but I remember saying, well, we're, we're not going to be like, like, we're always going to (laughs) play. Like, I remember like saying things like we're always going to play and pretend and yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely remember that too. And just a thought that popped into my head. I recently watched Mary Poppins. I was just going to mention that. You were? Yeah, oh. with Mr. Bing. Like, I didn't want to be Mr. Yes. Banks. I didn't want to be Mr. Darling from Peter Pan. Like, Yes, and it's crazy how a lot of um, the classic Disney movies, they mm-hmm. it's almost like two storylines are going on. There's one that the kids are, are loving, and then there's a second one that's for the adults. Yes. And... In Mary Poppins, I just watched it recently, and I was like, this movie was for the adults. Yes. This movie was a warning about child, like childhood. Yeah. And one, preserving that in yourself, but also letting your children be children. Right. Because like you said, with Mr. Banks, he kept wanting his kids to grow up and invest in the bank. and Yeah he was annoyed with all their childishness and um finally at the end the best part of the whole movie is the song let's go fly a kite because he finally comes home and it makes me emotional every time i think about it but he goes and he flies the kite with his children and i just think that yeah it's it's a fear i think we probably all have what every kid has at some point or the fear of growing up but I think there's a beautiful message in Mary Poppins of, well, like you're going to grow up, but you don't have to necessarily let go yeah. of the things that made your life magical totally. to and, begin with. And I feel like I was so aware of that. And mm-hmm. I remember just being like, I don't want to like let my dreams go. Like, I don't yeah. want to stop feeling like a kid. There's this, there's like a funny line um, from Peter Pan where he talks about, um, it's the book it's the book version and it's like I think it's like the first line almost and he says um all children except one grow up they soon know that they will grow up and the way that Wendy knew was this one day when she was two years old she was playing in the garden and she plucked another flower and ran with it to her mother I suppose she must have looked rather delightful for Mrs. Darling put her hand to her heart and cried oh why can't you remain like this forever this was all that passed between them on the subject but henceforth Wendy knew that she must grow up you always know after you are two. Two is the beginning of the end. <laughs> I love that. I thought it was so two funny. Two is the beginning of the end. <laughs> yes. I thought it was so funny, but I remember when I read it for the first time, it brought back so many memories of myself 
as a child not wanting to grow up but knowing I was going to um so Ashley do you feel like you experienced that yeah I I definitely did are you're referring to the fear of growing up yeah just us being like we're not going we're not going to like we're gonna we're gonna always be fun we're gonna always (laughs) I think like you said in the beginning we had such a magical childhood it I think it's hard and and we were blessed to have a magical childhood because some people need imagination and creativity to get out of a bad childhood but totally luckily our reality was we we did have a, a fairly beautiful childhood and I think we did have the consciousness of of even just observing adults mm-hmm. and and you I mean we're out in the backyard playing mermaids and fairies and olden days and etc but there's no adults playing with us you yeah. realize that it's us kids in the backyard doing those kinds of things and yeah. so it's hard to imagine in that time period ever ever losing that totally what about you chloe so i i've experienced both sides of the coin here Mm -hmm. where you know like for a very long time in my childhood it was you know i don't ever want to grow up this is where i want to stay um and then i kind of got hit with like a sudden just anxiety of well i have to grow up yeah. And that means that I have to do something. Yes. You know, like, I feel like, especially like I was, I think I was in middle school when this happened. And I, I just suddenly was like, I was very stressed out and I was very anxious. And um, like a big, like a big thing for me was like, I used like Narnia as my escape mentally right. for a long time. And suddenly it became painful for me to try and escape there because I wasn't there yeah. and I, I could never be there. Right. And I was faced with the reality that I am here yeah, and I'm stuck here. yeah, <laughs> And I have all these beautiful worlds that I can visit in my head, but I'm yeah. never going to be there. yeah. And so I guess I have to give up and I have mm-hmm. to just figure something else out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, I, I call it my stare moment because mm-hmm. Um, at my grandma's house um, it was like one of those older you know like kind of a mobile home type layout um, and then there was they added on a couple rooms and these added on rooms had a step down into them and so that's where all the adults would talk they would talk in that lowered living room on the couches and the stair that goes into that room was where all the kids that were too old to play sat and so that was my stare moment where the next time I, I remember it so clearly the next time I went to my grandma's house I sat on the stair Aww. and I didn't play and Aww, I couldn't play anymore I felt like I couldn't <laughs> and it was so like looking back on it now I wish like somebody could have noticed and told me it's okay right. like right you don't have to worry so young about it and you know, like, it's good to be thoughtful about the future. Totally. You know, but it's not good to be so consumed by the anxiety of it that you can't experience any other kind of reality. Yeah. You know, you can't experience that creativity or imagination. Um, so, like, I, <laughs> that flip from, oh, I'm never going to be that kind of adult that's boring and doesn't ever want to yeah. play and run around to I have to be a real grown-up. 
and I'm getting there faster than I thought I was. And now I feel like just before having kids, I kind of flipped back to that. And then having kids kind of has put me in the middle now where I just, I want to be that adult so badly, but it is so hard to figure out how to do that when you have, you know, you have little people that are on that side of the coin running around yeah. and you have to be the one responsible for yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a beautiful balance, you know, to, to try and figure out. It's a journey to try and figure out. Yeah. I think the goal is to just not let ourselves get that hardened shell yeah. over, our, like, <laughs> yeah. over our mind and our heart of like where we want, how we want to feel and where we want to be mentally yeah. and what what we even want to do with the time that we have to express that creativity. Right. I am. I, I talked to one of our, one of our mutual friends, Callie, she's amazing. Yeah, Um, she is. I had kind of talked to her about some of this and how I was like, I want to, I want to be a fun mom. You know, I want to be so cool. I want to do all this stuff. And she, you know, she was just kind of like, yeah, I know what you mean. And, um, I told her about, you know, how I, I used to read books so much and I just, I couldn't read books. I had to stop yeah. reading books. I could not read them for almost 10 years. Yeah. I could not pick up a book and read it. It was, it hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, well, you know, I'm in this book club if you want to join. And literally, like, being just invited by another adult to do something that I, like, was painful for me because right. of that loss of childhood that happened with it like it opened me up so like quickly like it was so much faster than I thought it would be where like I was able to read and enjoy a book for the first time in 10 years you felt like it was like the catalyst of having another adult give you that permission yes yeah it was it was that permission you know interesting to, to to flip that coin back over and then you know like and that happened right as I started having children and um, you know, like she had children around the same age as mine. So I, it was really eye-opening for me, the, you know, that I could finally start to flip that coin back over and I could start to enjoy the things that I used to live in, basically, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I found that too, where years go by of trying so hard to accomplish something. But for me, it was like, college was kind of that way where I'm in school and it's so long and it's so hard and I'm working the whole time and I'm married now and there's so many new dynamics in my life that I'm trying to figure out and be good at because like I do have that in me where I want to be good like I Mm -hmm. want to be um, proficient and like yes and and excellent at like what I do right Mm -hmm. and and that can uh just kind of over time without you wanting to or realizing it like create this sort of hustle mindset which I don't believe that hustling is a bad thing at all but when it's everything that you're the you're a hustler like that's what I do I I give everything to um (laughs) the my responsibilities which again responsibilities are totally normal totally fine we all have them but when you're not giving room for those imaginative things you enjoy it just it 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 kind of before you know it you're kind of a little mini Mr. Banks whether you're not to his level or not you're kind of still like you're not thinking about the things you love and enjoy so much you're thinking about this like 
societal expectation and your and maybe your even your own internal adult expectation of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. That that wasn't there when you set out doing what you're doing. Well, I think it's when your roles become your identity. Yes. And I think oh, a I lot like of that. people they whether it's their job or being a mom or a wife, that role ends up becoming their identity where I think when you're a child, your hobbies and your interests and your imagination and all those kinds of things kind of end up being more about your identity because you don't have as many roles. Right. So I think we your cling role to is that. Being a child. Right. Yes. Your role is I'm the one who's learning. I'm the one who's growing. I'm the one who's exploring. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. That, that reminds me of like in Peter Pan, you know, we see Mr. Darling, um, you know, he's, they start to describe them at the beginning of the Disney movie. And it's, you know, like, Mrs. Darling thought that, you know, Peter Pan was the the spirit of youth and Mr. Darling was much more practical. And right. we see him like throughout the movie, he's like, every, you know, like my job is my life. You right. know, I, I'm not a very good father, but that's not my job. So that's, right. that's their job, you know? And at the end of the movie, we see him flip that coin yeah. and go, wait, I've seen this before. I remember being a child and I know what it's like. And it, it, you can see him start to think and start to change and soften yes through it yeah you know that's the oh. best part that's yeah. the best ending <laughs> that's the best ending of of peter pan is and i th- i think that's why that story touches our hearts as adults because we see ourselves like you said and in, in mr darling or mr banks or and and when you get that glimpse of that's how it was. That's how right. I used to be. Yeah. And it, there's like a freedom that yeah. comes with that. So there is. And I feel like it's a freedom we should be giving ourselves daily. Yes. Like it's not, it's yes. not just like a, Oh, I had this realization and then I went back to, you know, I don't know. It, it's something that's like an everyday, no, like I'm a person too. <laughs> I'm someone who like enjoys things and like, oh my gosh, it's okay for me to enjoy things still. Oh my gosh, it's okay for me to explore things and not have to have any outcome from that. Like that's a big, that that's a really important, I think, discovery to make within ourselves and one that is just not, I never hear people talk about it. I never hear people talk about how it's like, okay, I, I see so many videos. This is how to make X amount of money a month as an artist. Guess what? Like, what if what if I've tried all those things and like I'm not doing it or I don't have enough time? Okay, I guess it's not like worth my time to like put it you know, loses effort into value. Yeah, like now and now no one cares or now like I can't if I talk about it with people they're gonna be asking me you know right how much money are you making with that how like well what are you doing like with with that and what what if the answer is I'm just enjoying it like I'm just doing it. Yeah, I especially as like I have so many different medias that I work with with yes. my art. If one of them is not per se like or if any of them are not my main source of income or are not making, you know, like noticeable amounts of money by other people, it's oh, how's your little business doing? Oof. You know, there's a lot of that, oh, how's your little hobby, you know, yeah. that you 
you know and yeah. it it feels so like demoralizing to see that like I've opened up like my creativity to other people yeah and you know like I'm I'm not planning to try and make it a you know this is my career forever right but just the fact that I've opened myself up and people look at that and go well it's not doing xyz it's not up to my standard yes so it's obviously not that good yeah or it's not it's not um yeah like I feel like as soon as you start and this is what gets artists to stop sharing which art is meant to be shared right you can always do things just for yourself and that's cool if you feel like I just want to do this little thing for myself I don't want to put it out there that's fine but we get this joy from sharing what we create I mean that's you draw a little picture as a kid and you go and give it to your mom and you're like look what I made and it just feels good to just share things but when you start sharing things and you start getting those questions of oh okay so you're starting something oh okay so how's it going oh well you should really try this I bet that this will make it really take off and you start to get so in your head about in this like world that's what I mean like the adult world versus like the neverland world right like it becomes like wait no I was just I was just doing this like I was just in this other place I wanted to share it sometimes it really isn't that deep right Mm -hmm. it's not that deep all the time and you just want to make things and create and that's okay yeah and I I thought it was interesting when Chloe was talking she said that people will say oh your little business Mm -hmm. and I thought that's interesting because with my photography I I just started about a year ago but I've always loved photography yes and how I 100% undersell myself in the sense of of making it less of a deal than maybe it means to me. Mm-hmm. And I've even seen that, um, not to put your you, Sky, on the spot, but I've even seen you do that with your art a lot where, oh, it's just this little, this little thing, this little thing I drew up where someone like me looks at that and is like, that is incredible. <laughs> like I would take an art class to be able to learn how to do that. But I, it's stuff that brings joy into I would say all of our lives and I think the people who appreciate what we do it brings joy into their lives yeah but it's interesting how when I was working at a law office I never undersold myself I always said I'm a paralegal to an attorney or you upsell and even just saying you work at a law office has you put that on your resume people are are very interested in you right right oh you worked at a law office so you know how to do this and this and yeah you, you're used to working you know how to make me money exactly right? <laughs> but you know you tell someone oh I'm a photographer mm-hmm. it's always like okay is it a hobby is oh. it are you do this for business are you big how many followers do you have yeah. how much do you make Ugh. are you able to support it on one income you like and, and there's always something to look down upon yeah. and you easily undersell yourself. Yeah. Yeah. A big, a big part of mine too is a lot of my sales are event based, you know, oh, like yeah. it's the Ren Fair, it's the Pirate Fest. They happen one time a year. And so a lot of the times I feel like, you know, like in between projects or in between photo shoots, we get a lot of, you know, you have that downtime or that prep time. And a lot of people see that as you're wasting time you're not busy you know yes so you know you obviously must not 
you know, be doing that good if you right. have downtime. And oh there's gosh. a lot of that, like, I guess, hustle culture yeah. in it of just if you're not constantly busy and constantly making money, if you're not constantly, you know, just going, 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 then it must not be of value. Right. And it's hard. It's hard because when you're when you're trying so hard. Yeah. (laughs) You have these goals. You're trying so hard. You're exhausted also from everything else you have going on. It just kind of at least for me, I've had times in my life where I'm like, is this even worth it? Yes. Yeah. Like if it has to be this, I don't Mm -hmm. know that I want to do this. But then I would stop like drawing for a while or something and then I'm like itching I'm like itching to like paint I'm itching to make things and then I start and I'm like but what am I gonna do with it wait but what am I gonna like what am I gonna Mm -hmm. you know like how can I sell this how can I yeah Yeah. (laughs) what is the point and and yeah just going back to that time of when you were first introduced to creativity there was absolutely none of that there were no expectations it was just be creative exactly that's all you had to do exactly (laughs) that same lady elizabeth gilbert that i really like um she wrote this book and in, in it it's called big magic read it she um talked about how like Um, she had interviewed this guy who was like a singer who put a lot of pressure on himself to have the best music, right? Like to be the best. And that he basically, um, it took him down some dark roads and he kind of became that tortured artist, you know, that we see a lot. And, um, I I think he was like looking at his kids out playing one day and kind of remembered, what things were like and one little comment that he made I think this was the same story where he said you know I realized like it's 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 not really that deep like what is music it's something nice that like people enjoy they enjoy that song and then they go about their day like what is and so it made me question like what is a painting it's something nice for someone to look at for a second and then they go about their day it doesn't have to change the world right it doesn't have to have some I mean, it, it's great when people are artists and and their art has some activism element or it has something that really, um, sometimes it, it, it speaks to a broad amount of people and it changes people, right? But most of the time, it's, um, as Elizabeth Gilbert says, it's like jewelry for the mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like just a nice thing that someone can enjoy and it doesn't have to have like you're not Atlas shrugged, right? Like you're not like holding the world on your shoulders with your art. Like you're just making things and, Mm -hmm. and kind of when you, you, when you get into that mindset and when you get into that, like letting go of this has to be amazing, this has to change the world. It, it just becomes more enjoyable, I think for people too. Yeah. They kind of, the pressure's off of them to (laughs) be changed by your art, right? (laughs) Kind of two things off of that. So one, I'm a drummer in a band. Yes. And I forgot to mention also Chloe's an amazing musician and singer. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) On top of being a drummer in a band. Yes. She's incredible. I, um, you know, and so we're, we're starting to like write our own music and, you know, we're kind of getting into it and we, we kind of were like 
roadblocking ourselves with the we have to be the best we have to write the best music and be the best at what we do and finally one of our members was like why yeah and we we kind of just sat there and we're like I don't know you know and (laughs) and and he was just like we don't have to be the best we just have to make it enjoyable right you know like right it's one of those like you know not every song that you listen to is the best song you've ever heard totally but how many times have you listened to the same song over and over and over again just because it's enjoyable yeah it was you just, know it's just nice it's, it's just fun. It's, it's nice it's something it's you fun. enjoyed and then kind of on the flip side of that you know i feel like i've, I've seen a really weird influx of comics recently that are people going to art galleries and going why isn't it changing me I I don't get it you know (laughs) and I feel like there's like as creatives we get a lot of people that you know maybe comment on our art and go well I don't get it yeah totally you know there's this big expectation of if you're an artist and somebody witnesses that art Uh it has to be life-changing it has Uh to have a meaning for them and it has (laughs) to you know like it has to be this big grand thing yeah when really it's just I like making that yeah and I want to make more of it I drew it and And, here you are and (laughs) you know like here you go I'd like to offer it to you if you'd like it. You know, it doesn't have to be a, you know, like I make flower crowns. It doesn't have to be a, that is the best flower crown I've ever seen. And it is the only thing I'll ever wear on my head. It's just the flowers were pretty and I put them on a crown and I wear it on my head sometimes. You know, it's, it's not that deep. Yes, totally. (laughs) Totally. I've definitely felt that in photography because it's an overly saturated field and there's so much competition yeah and I have had experiences (laughs) recently where someone didn't like what I produced Mm -hmm. and it was so debilitating and I'll be honest I haven't shot for like a month because I was so paralyzed by it yeah and I it kind of took the love and the magic out and it's so funny because my husband reminds me he's like that was one experience out of 30 right like 30 other people are singing you praises and seeked you out based on your style something I realized when I was doing that photo shoot is she was trying to like pose her family and she was trying to recreate another photo shoot she didn't really easily like from the time I was with her I realized oh she didn't really want me for me right right and so I think you just have to with whatever you're creating realize that you're not gonna like Chloe was saying you're not gonna please everyone you were saying you're not gonna change the world but there might be one person who gets it and gets you and appreciates and values what you've created and what you love and I think that one person should be magnified over the hundred that don't yes you know so totally 100 percent. I really like that and and it's true and it's there's people who like Chloe gave the music analogy like sometimes it's not your favorite song that's okay it's someone else's favorite song maybe maybe no one liked the song oh well you made it and it's done and it's not you right it's something you made it's mm-hmm. not it's not you know you 
your baby. It's not your whatever. It's something you made and it's done and it's created and it's in the world and let it do its own thing. Right. Yes. Um, so I want to know once you guys reached adulthood, did you always know that you wanted to be a creative person or have a career and or vocation centered around creativity? And if not, how did you ultimately decide on your current vocation of an artist? (laughs) I'll go first because my answer is really brief. Okay. I just said it was trial and error. Yeah. Um, And I, I mentioned how when I was thinking of this question, I was thinking more of the monetary value. Once you get older, you need something that supports you. Yeah. But I, when I asked myself that question, how did I ultimately decide on my current vocation? It was when I finally really asked myself what I wanted to do instead of what I felt like I needed to do because of money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think when all the voices quieted, then the excitement of doing photography really spoke to me or, you know, that's, I think that's when I finally listened to my voice instead of everyone else's. So I like that. Yeah. I am. I went through a lot of trial and error too Mm -hmm. until I finally had my, uh, (laughs) my emperor's new groove moment. (laughs) I had my, you know, when the, when the sun hits it just right, these hills sing. I had that moment. Cause like I, I spent so long and so many years trying to do college and this medical program or this medical program or, or try this. Um, and then three months after I got married, the medical office that I worked at closed Oh wow! forever. Wow. And I was laid off immediately. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I kind of spent like the next week, like, what do I do? Yeah. You know, like, what, what am I going to do now? Yeah. I don't have a job. I, I, you know, like, where do I find somewhere to go from here? Right. And, you know, I've, I've always loved video games. I've always been a huge gamer, you know, like as a kid, um, my siblings and I had all of our Nintendo DS lights, you yes. know, before the 3DS and everything Same. came out, you know, <laughs> um, and we would all play like the new Super Mario Bros together and we all played Picto Chat and you know <laughs> yeah. and um we had a friend at the time who had just gotten um this new game that I was really interested in so he was like you know what you play it yeah I haven't played it yet you play it and you tell me what you think and so <laughs> this is really bad but I I not even joking you spent the next 72 hours straight just on my couch playing this game because uh-huh. I was like, I have nothing else to do. I'm so defeated. I am at my rock bottom and I'm playing this game and it's, it's Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh-huh. And it, I think it genuinely is the most beautiful game that I have oh. ever seen to this day. And like, I'm just playing it and I, I get to this one part um, as the sun is rising and it, like as it comes over the mountains that are next to my house, like the, the cutscene that was playing was just this gorgeous overview of the game. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, <laughs> that's it. That. <laughs> like, I love playing this so much. I want to make stuff like this. Mm. You know, I want to, I want to make a world that is this beautiful that's and cool. full of life. That's cool. And, 
interactive you know there's so many things like you can literally watch the machines that are in this game and see how they interact with the environment around them and what tasks and what jobs they do for the environment around you know like there's so many intricate details that the developers thought to put into this game that i was like that's it that's cool that's what i want to do i want to make this you know (laughs) like so it was you know like i i felt like i had glimpses of that before you know like yeah i i play a lot of dnd i was a dungeon master Uh for several groups and i every single time i'd create this new world and a new pantheon of gods that you know the players could worship i love it you know spite and I always was just like, this is fun. This is yeah. exciting. I, I feel like I'm living through this. Or, yeah. you know, like watching like my favorite movies, I'd always be like, I want to make something like that. That would be cool. Right. But it never clicked until I, I had my Those Hills Sing, you know, kind yes. of moment. <laughs> yes. I really like that. I feel, I feel similarly to you where like I always wanted to and I felt like I had even moments of clarity of like, I want to do that. Like, I remember looking through, um, I had, it was the first like art of book that I, I didn't even know what an Mm. art of book was, but I had asked my mom and dad to get me the Hobbit for Christmas and they got me the art of the Hobbit movie, (laughs) (laughs) which is not the same. And, but I, I opened it up. I was like, this is amazing. Like it showed how they made it. And I saw the drawings of like how they did the characters and stuff. And I was like, oh, like that's a job like someone draws every character in every movie and whoa like that's super cool that's actually what I started out wanting to do when I went to school anyway um I love that idea of just like wanting to make the world wanting to create that I love that you had that moment literal the (laughs) (laughs) yes um I know that both of you guys attended college Ashley, you graduated in marriage and family studies, right? Yes. Okay. And then you had the thought of potentially becoming a teacher or a therapist, I remember. And then Chloe, your degree has been centered around 3D modeling and art for animation and video games. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, So I'm curious to know if either of you guys felt like your classes really encouraged your creativity and motivated you more toward that Neverlandish mindset, or did you feel like your creativity was boxed in a little bit during school or pushed to the side leading you to a more quote adult mindset what was your experience so with marriage and family studies I definitely felt that was more of an abstract major therefore a lot more abstract thinking was involved in that major I was way more geared to becoming a marriage and family therapist which is still something I'm considering maybe in the future yeah um but I think as far as my major went I don't think it would have mattered honestly maybe unless it was an art major what I went to school for I think I would have burnt be burnt out no matter what I did why do you say that I think that there was very little time to think of anything else I think when I was going to school I always had a job yeah yeah so I don't think I ever went to school when I wasn't working and that was very difficult because I don't think there was any 
free time. I, I remember, I think you had finished college and you were reading a lot and I was still in school and you were recommending me books. And I remember like getting so frustrated, like sky, I don't have any time. <laughs> I don't even have time to read the books that I'm assigned to yeah, in my in class, class, let alone <laughs> this book. And so I think honestly, I definitely love school and I loved what I went to school for. Mm -hmm. But I think that as far as creativity and and all of those things go, it definitely dulled my sparkle (laughs) a little bit with those things. And then it's funny because right after I graduated, almost immediately, like the next month, I started photography. And so I almost feel like I didn't really listen to myself like you guys explained kind of a little bit about your growing up and what you lean towards I was always taking pictures I was always you making always videos were. always Ashley carried a camera everywhere she went yes and so I don't think I don't think I had anyone in my life and this kind of like there's a little of emotion and maybe I just wasn't that good but I don't think I had anyone ever tell me like hey you're taking pictures all the time. Have you ever thought of photography or have you ever, I would make movies and videos for my parents. I don't think I ever had anyone even talk to me that that was an option. Like recognize that the two and two could go together. Yeah. It wasn't until I got married and I, I graduated and I didn't really want to do what I went to school for that. My husband was like, well, (laughs) yeah. You know, I I was thinking of doing nail school or I was thinking of, you know, then photography got brought up and I was like, oh my gosh, I love photography. I love taking pictures. So so anyway, I thought it was interesting that I went through four or five years of schooling and, and then the next month I ended up finding what I truly got excited to do. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, what's funny is I thought about doing nail school too at one point. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I totally was like, I might as well do something. Yeah. Um, But like, I, so (laughs) important bit of backstory to my my current college um, experience is that I had already had twins before I started college for what I wanted to do. Right. and looking back now, I was insane, and I don't know why anyone <laughs> let me do that. Um, but a lot of like, I'm I'm going almost to a trade school, yes. basically to learn how to do the art side of video games, and that's you know concepting, that's the modeling, the rigging, the animation textures, you know, just anything that goes into what a game looks like is what I was learning. Yeah. And so, you know, the first few classes were kind of just introductions to how it all works. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a class called Creative Presentation, and it was just all about, you know, like, in this industry, you know, you have to learn how to present yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not one of those, like, you have to be presentable all the time. It's just, you know, there's a lot of people going into this field now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's kind of like taking a resume writing class almost, right. you know. Um, and so for our project, it was, you know, pretend you're five years in the future. You are presenting yourself to an interviewer, to your boss for a project, to something, yes. you know. Make it. Yeah. Pretend you're there. 
pretend you're there already <laughs> and do it you know wow. and so i <laughs> i was like well i, I want to make video games i guess i'll pretend i'm presenting it e3 which is a huge video games conference it's where they announce all the you know all the new games that are coming out all the latest tech you know it's it's really big yeah and so i made this fake trailer for a game and made it all dramatic you know and then made a presentation about like i was the art director for it wow look at my art right and my teacher he graded all these individually and did like a call with each student to you know go over it with them and give feedback sure and I don't think I'll ever forget this for the rest of my life. But he literally opened and he said, when your game comes out, please tell me I will be the first to buy it. Oh, like he was like, this good. was the coolest presentation I think I've ever seen. I want to see you at E3. I want to see you there. Oh. You know, and this teacher was just, he was just one of those that was like, this is amazing. Your ideas are amazing. And, you know, to every student. And it was incredible. Oh, I love that. And so I feel like the first few classes were just really like, yes, this is how this works. Your ideas are important. Yeah. And then we got into the technical stuff. And I feel like um, a lot of the teachers that they got for them um, were used to being in they weren't in video game fields so like my 3d modeling class per se was uh taught by a industrial modeler so he modeled molds and prints for industrial like production yeah so everything he made had to be perfect to the millimeter Mm -hmm. and that's how he graded the class wow so i like while i knew i needed to be technical Mm -hmm. um he would give us a rubric and then grade us above what the rubric stated. I've heard that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that just kept happening more and more and more. And then at one point there was a teacher that said, um, what we expect of you is far above industry standards. You won't need to do this, like this specific thing, this process, but we're expecting it of you here. Mm. and it was like it felt very stifling to me because like I understand that in order to like you know I'm going to want to do things better than industry standard to show off my skills and to practice and to be better yeah but it was one of those like they came out right and were just like this is so like this far above Mm -hmm. and it is like there is no way that you would ever do this much work and I was like then why are we doing it? You know, yeah. like, why am I struggling in this class so hard for what is, what like, according to you and your experience, like, leagues above right. what I'm going to be right. doing, you Yeah, know? what am I doing? Um, and then, like, on top of that, too, I feel like um, college is not built for parents. Oh, It's no. not. Oh. oh, heavens no. And... There was a really big attitude, especially getting into the more intensive classes of like, if you're not stressed, if you're not losing sleep, Mm -hmm. if you're not, you know, if every second of your day is not consumed by this class, you shouldn't be here. Right. And it, it wasn't really even a competitive type of thing. It was, it was really just like a. I don't know (laughs) like there were a few teachers that were like if you're not sure you should be here you shouldn't be here yeah kind of you know and I was like that's just not you know like I think I should be here yeah but you know there's a difference between 
you know, like I'm going to school part time and you're expecting 40 plus hours of work from a project a week. Yeah. A week, you know, and I have twin infants, you know, and, you know, then I eventually had my third kid. And so I, I ended up recently taking a hiatus from school because I was like, I, it's just too much, you know, and you know, like trying to talk to the school about it was really frustrating because I'd be like, Hey, I'm a mom of three. So this is just really difficult. It's, you know, like being a mom is time intensive. And they were like, well, it can't be that time intensive. And there was a lot of just kind of like being a mom isn't a uh, extenuating circumstance for you struggling. And I was just like, you have zero understanding. Yes. Like, you know, like, I feel like a lot of people kind of get the whole, like, it's a kid. They just sit on the floor and you can do whatever around totally. them. Yeah. I beat myself up so hard about it. Cause I was like, you hear that story all the time of, well, this single mother pushed through college and got her master's all mm-hmm. by herself yeah. and, you know, like graduated with a perfect GPA and all right. these honors. And I'm like, I suck. Like, no, <laughs> you know, like I know what you it mean, was just that feeling of just like, I have failed so hard yeah. because I guess, you know, like I don't understand why I'm struggling when so many other people haven't. <laughs> I was just going to say super quick, we need to stop that yeah. like <laughs> bragging about who can do more as a mom yeah. or I remember I was really struggling with a, a deadline with my photography and I was reaching out to a community about it. And like the first comment was, I don't know why you're struggling with this. I have five kids. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> and I can deliver a gallery in like a week or something like that. And I went onto her page and all her photos were terrible, but I was like, <laughs> okay, that made me feel a little better. But I don't know why people feel the need to brag about going yeah. to school with their masters with their kids. It's very difficult. That's probably why they need to brag, but yeah. yeah, it's not helping anybody. No, so. it doesn't help anybody, and it's it's debilitating. It becomes it it turns your goals into something. Not only that you already are feeling is unreachable, but then it's like, wow, something must like you said, something must be wrong with me. Like, yeah, because I, I, I can't <laughs> handle this. Yes, yeah, and like I. You know, I, after like setting up this hiatus, I'm going to take like six months off, you know, yeah. and I, I like had a bit of a breakdown cause I was like, I just, I can't do it. Like yeah. I failed and you know, like this, this sucks. And I, I can't believe that I'm like, I, I totally flunked out of school, which I didn't yeah. I decided to take a break because that's what I needed, yes. you know? But it, it, there's just that mindset of if you don't finish it, you know, the way that everyone else expects you to, that you failed or have somehow, you know, like done awfully. And <laughs> talking to my husband about it, you know, there were lots of tears and he went, you realize you weren't just being a mom and doing school at the same time. And I was like, what do you, yeah, that's like all I did. And he was like, you were running two small businesses. Yeah. You are also, you know, like, and he just started listing off all the other things that have happened and that we've been dealing with and that I've, you know, and I was like, 
oh yeah <laughs> that kind of is a lot isn't it you know it and sure I, is. I feel like especially as mothers we so often go why can't I just do this yeah it's the one thing you know and it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not the one thing yeah you're doing so many other things at the same time so, doing so much that, many other things yeah you know every mom is carrying a haystack oh you yeah know? And, and some of them are manifesting physically some of them are manifesting mentally yeah right like the the it's so important to realize the labor that goes into all of the things you have going on in your life and just because it's not a uh, something that even someone sees doesn't mean that you there's not like yeah thought and effort that's mm-hmm. behind all the things you're trying to accomplish within your day yeah like and I you know another thing you talked about was he's also in school mm-hmm. at the same school mm-hmm. <laughs> you know having the same expectations of better than industry quality work yeah. in half the time yeah you know so there's a lot of just I feel like we so often downplay what we do to the point where we're like why can't we you know like why can't I do this one thing when it's not the one thing it's that one thing on top of this and that and the other and something that popped up last week you know and everyone's combination of things looks different so yeah someone can be like well you know I have five kids and can do this and okay you know that's that's great for you but maybe her combination of things obviously is different than your combination of things do you guys feel like there was pressures that came with your schooling that started to let fears control your art and creativity well yeah going back to that you know like you have to make it perfect Mm -hmm. it was like it was so hard Mm because I you know, I was making things in the art style that I knew I wasn't going to be using. Totally. I was not allowed to, you know, ever explore that art style in any of my classes, yeah. you know. And, um, like, I talked to a few of my teachers about that. And they were like, yeah, we get that. But, you know, this is my yeah. class. And this is what I want you to do. Yeah. And I get that, like. You understand all sides yeah, of it. Yeah, it's one of yeah. those, like, I get it. I know. It was very frustrating and very stifling. Yeah. Creativity-wise to, you know, like, I felt like I basically went from working in a medical office where, you know, I was just doing what someone told me to do all day. Yeah. To working in the field I wanted to with the same exact thing happening. Yeah. Um, I obviously, again, my major is marriage and family studies, but... I think more of the fear was the lack of time to create. Yeah. So I actually felt like once I, because when I was in high school, I took art classes. Uh And when I started college, there wasn't really any art classes that were available for my major. Yeah. And I think the fear that I felt was I kind of lost a lot of my creative outlet yeah so I I love to paint I love to draw I think me and you are very similar growing up Mm -hmm. but I think since I went to college and I didn't go specifically for art I lost kind of part of that in me that was I I think really cool I and I don't think I would have ever developed and to the to the way that you're doing now but I think that since my time was really controlled in college and I didn't really have time to be creative and I wasn't doing a class that was allowing me to be creative. I did lose parts of me that, that I liked. Do you felt like you lost like the ability to claim yourself as like a creative person? 
Definitely. I definitely think that because that wasn't where my focus was at the yeah. time. So. Yeah. And because I feel like when, when you're in school, you're so put into the box of what you're going to be, right? Like, I'm going to go be a marriage and family therapist. And that means this, 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 and this. It does not mean I'm want to go and explore with my camera and like it doesn't give you that like and and granted I guess you could have chosen photography but I think just society in general because we set it up to be I'm picking this to go be Mm -hmm. we we start to stop giving we stop giving ourselves permission to be a whole look at ourselves as a holistic person right yes you lose your personhood a well, we little don't bit of. we don't create a society that values that in people mm-hmm. and like we said we're we're focused on what we're going to become and and these vocations that earn money so I think we're not creating an environment that you know we were talking about this the other day when you're a kid the best thing you can say to a kid is to be creative and imagine yeah. and but we don't do that when we're adults yeah mm-hmm. and I had this thought as you guys were talking that it's kind of funny because we're all relatively the same age we're kind of in our later 20s yeah and what's interesting is is we're kind of in a rediscovery yeah era as <laughs> you could say yeah. where we're rediscovering parts of ourselves that we enjoyed in childhood but we're rediscovering them in a way that that's serving us today. And yeah, it's kind of like, how can I still be an adult, but live the life I want? Right. Yeah. I I felt kind of the opposite of you did where like being a mom going into college for what I wanted to do felt like, you know, there's kind of this expectation. I feel like for mothers where it's just, if you're a mother, you're a stay at home mom and you love your kids and you don't want to do anything else. Yeah. You know, yeah. And so going into school like that was really hard because, you know, then you have the, the college mindset of this is what you are now and you're nothing uh-huh. else and you, you don't have the time or the, yeah. you know, the space for anything else. And it was so hard trying to balance those almost warring. Totally. <laughs> like, I guess, roles Cause you have that on, I had. Yeah, you have on <laughs> one hand, you should just want to be a mom that should that's it and then you have on the other hand you should just want to be a 3d modeler and that's that's your life that's all you aspire to be totally yeah and then you know and and then on top of that throw on that you know i i work at a renaissance fair Mm -hmm. i work at a a pirate festival you Mm -hmm. know and um while i found a lot more freedom there there still was kind of that weird idea at first of well now you're that weirdo you know Uh like i feel like for a long time, like pre-COVID, there was kind of that only the weird theater kids go to Ren Fair and they act weird. Uh-huh. But um, it, <laughs> like vending the past three, well, two years has kind of opened my eyes, especially given how a lot of the vendors that have been there for decades now act yeah. and interact where it's a lot of them are parents. Yeah. A lot of them are software engineers totally. and a lot of them are yeah. doctors right you know where this is what they do for fun and yeah. they understand that you know like this is not you are not one faceted when you're here yeah there and then on top of that too with the post-covid there became i feel like there was almost a renaissance of people going 
I don't want to be stuck indoors all day. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck doing my nine to five job, doing nothing else and having mm-hmm. nothing else to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so like we've, I've had so many cool experiences working at these events, yeah. meeting people that are like, this is my first time here and I'm in my forties. Yeah. You know, this is fun for me. I feel yeah. like a kid on Christmas totally, being here. Yeah. I, I experienced that with, so you mentioned that I have a Disneyland blog account, whatever yes. you call it. I experienced that with the slander of people calling me a Disney adult. Uh-huh. And it's really funny because I actually, in the extreme form, I actually really don't like Disney adults. <laughs> Um, half of them are, most of them are my friends and I love them. And I think there's a good balance of what I've seen in most people who you would call a Disney adult. But something that's so funny is, um, kind of the, the slander is, oh, Disneyland's for kids or Mm. all these kinds of things. And what I've noticed because I've been able to kind of create a community there is one, so one, I started going actually because we were struggling with having a child yeah. and, and fertility and I almost every month we didn't get pregnant. I was like, okay, we're booking a Disney trip mm-hmm. and it was totally my escape, but it also was something that was just brought me pure joy yeah. in my life. And it, you know, it's just a couple hours away and we would take some day trips and do that. But I thought that's really interesting that you mentioned that about the Renaissance fair because in a similar way, I think a lot of people who see adults like us, maybe, I don't want to say indulging, but like entertaining that that child likeness inside of us and enjoying maybe the more simpler things. Like me and my husband live in Las Vegas. We're not going to the bar or the strip clubs or, you know, all those kinds of things. We're going to Disneyland and Mm-hmm. having dole whip you yeah. know so it's like <laughs> it, yes there. it's funny how like those adult things you know get praised and that's what you're supposed to be doing and that's uh-huh. what's normal but kind of entertaining maybe more lighter entertainment and and more wholesome things is looked down upon well even like with the ren fair pirate fest it's like people are out and they are in full um, like they're pretending and yeah, it's beautiful yes. to have that experience, I think, as an adult, to be, like, just taken away into a different world for mm-hmm. a day. And, like, that this is a community of people where, number one, who think that's just fine. Number two, that's the whole point, yeah, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. <laughs> we're setting this up to go and pretend. Same with Disneyland, in a way, because you have characters there, and they're real, right? And they're there, and they're performing, and and you're you're giving them hugs and you're loving the shows and you know you're you're in a different world and and mm-hmm. I, I think that's really cool I, f- I feel like um like I see it especially like with a lot of like you know you see the videos on online of adults going to Disney for the first time and mm-hmm. just the tears and excitement Aww. you know you see them being the child yeah and it's <laughs> I never expected to see it at a renaissance fair yeah but it has touched me so many times how many people have like I've just seen walking around just you can see the child on their face oh. just awestruck that this place is real I love and that it's the place they wanted to be and like we had a we had an experience I think it was this last year a year before um and this guy walks into our booth and he, he just walks in and he goes, oh, 
you make flower crowns and we were like yeah you, you know like you can try them on if you want and he goes I can buy one and we were like anyone can buy one yeah like they're yeah. for sale and he <laughs> he literally just kind of looked around at him silently and we were like okay you know uh-huh. and he he grabs one and says how much is this one and you know we were like the you know this is the price and he went I'll take it paid plopped it on his head oh, and he I looked at it. the mirror that we have set up in our booth and like we watched him just start crying because oh he was so happy that and like he so just walked sweet. off and was just like so joyous and it like it literally made us all cry oh we were like gosh. oh my gosh this this man just walked in and just realized he he, he can he's safe to be here he's okay like, to be here I can, oh wait you know? i can take a flower crown and put it on my head and that's fine yes like it's like, like that freedom yes, that he like just discovered yourself, <laughs> yeah that permission like i'm allowed to do things that are just delightful uh, yeah. for like a second <laughs> like i love that it makes me want to cry i love it well i i felt that way going to disney because we'd probably go maybe once a year or every other year or so as a family and I when me and my husband started going more regularly it was funny because I'd I'd look at the characters and I'm like oh they're so cute yeah you know kind of like be have more of like an adult attitude and then finally by like my third or fourth visit I was like oh my goodness <laughs> like I was like chasing him around and like I think sometimes everyone in us we need to like allow the child to come out yeah. and just be enchanted with with the world and our imagination yeah well like and you can live that way every day right Mm -hmm. like every day can be a delight Mm -hmm. um I really want to talk about we've mentioned a few times motherhood um and I told everyone you know you're both mothers Chloe you have three little boys at home Ashley you're currently expecting your first child um so I have different questions for both of you surrounding motherhood and your creativity so we'll start with Ashley Ashley, as you're in the phase of preparing to become a new mom and going through pregnancy, have you noticed any differences in your creative output? How has the physical and mental challenge of pregnancy affected your artistic life? So it's actually funny because I wrote down that motherhood is essential to my creativity. And I felt that way even before being pregnant or even the potential of having a child and I think that because motherhood means that you're in some kind of charge of children Mm. and I think that again in our society we don't value children Mm. I think they were way more valued years past but I don't feel like today in 2023 children are very valued um and why I say that is that in the back of my mind, there's always a feeling of wanting to show up for my child as my best possible self. Mm. And I've definitely felt that in preparing to be a mother. But when I was pregnant, even just cleaning like my inner vessel and my soul and wanting to show up as the mother that I want to be. And I think that has made me also want to be more creative. Okay. Um, I also feel that like in my photography I've wanted my style to emulate me more not Uh try to emulate someone else Uh I want my child to see what I create and know that it has 
his or her mother's footprints or fingers you know like on that thing it doesn't look like someone else created it like they know that was my mom yeah they created that so with that being said it's like a double-edged sword because I do feel like it's an awakened that part of me and wanting to be true to who I am and yeah but I also do feel like the exhaustion and anxiety I've never had extreme anxiety until I've been pregnant Uh so I do feel like I've even had to put photography on the back burner a little bit in the sense of maybe doing it for clients and doing it for work but I definitely see the value in doing it as more of a creative output so yeah I definitely think like there's the muse there's the excitement Uh there but then there's also like obviously the exhaustion and I'm sure that I'm sure Chloe and you can talk about (laughs) that (laughs) (laughs) well I really think that's that's cool though that you you're taking even the pregnancy as like a muse like that it's inspiring you in different ways that maybe it maybe you didn't recognize before that's like a really cool way of looking at it and I do feel you on the second part as well it's challenging Chloe as a mom of three what challenges have you faced when it comes to being an artist and a creator in the midst of motherhood so going back to the Peter Pan um I feel like being a mom is balancing being Mary Darling, Wendy Darling, and Nana. Oh, wow. You know, from the movie specifically. Yeah. We, you know, in the movie, the, the Disney movie, we see Wendy is the ringleader. She is actively engaged in the play. She is in charge of the play, you know, and she is, you know, kind of everyone's go-to for creativity and for excitement and yeah. play. And then uh, Mary Darling, she's she takes a passive encouragement. You know, she's yes. she's the mother. She, you know, she takes her kid's play seriously, she but does. she's not actively engaged. Right. You know, um, she she listens intently to them. She listens to their goals and their dreams. Um, and she's so sweet and gentle with them. And, you know, she never makes them feel like they can't do it. Yeah. Um, and then there's there's Nana, who's frantically running around trying to keep everything under control putting yeah. out the fires That's pouring so the medicine making the beds, <laughs> pouring the beds. um <laughs> you know yeah. you know she has to be everywhere all at once all the time and she's trying so hard and she's so exhausted and I feel like especially like now having three I had three under three yeah you know I I wasn't I am Nana <laughs> most yeah. of the time <laughs> um and so like it's not that's not bad no but it's there's a weird thing I feel like when you're in charge of any sort of form of life where you feel guilty all the time for not being enough for being too much you didn't do this right or you did this you know like you are always guilty of something yeah (laughs) and so while I feel like I'm nana most days I feel so guilty for not being Mary and not mm-hmm. being Wendy mm-hmm. more often mm-hmm. um and then on top of that too um I struggle so hard with seeing other people that are in you know completely different situations than me yeah do what I 
want to be doing. And knowing that at this point in time, it's just not possible. Yeah. And I get so frustrated knowing that, you know, I I can't go to that location. I can't try that method of building something. I can't, um, you know, I can't try specific ideas because of my children Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. it's not a bad thing it's just that's where I am in life but it's it's so frustrating to feel stuck Mm -hmm. um and then on top of that too um I (laughs) I struggle with the when I wake up I want to like wear the fairy dress all day you know like I want to do the fun glittery makeup and do my hair fun and frilly and you know yeah like play like that and it's just not practical yeah you know yeah (laughs) there's there's that struggle between being who you want to be and being who your children need you to be and being who you need you to be like there's so many facets to trying to be creative and keep that creativity while also keeping another human being alive Mm -hmm. and nourished and like I feel like mentally and creatively encouraged yes um and then you know there's I feel like there's a there's not a lot of support for working artists Mm -hmm. in our society yeah um especially as a mom like asking someone to babysit while you per se go to work as a doctor or uh-huh. you go to work as an accountant everybody's gonna be like oh yeah totally that's i, I see your job as valid as real as right. real mm-hmm. as productive yeah. as having value whereas you know a lot of the time i feel like with working artists trying to ask someone to babysit so you can work they they just kind of brush you off and go it's not real work you right. know it's and you know that's not necessarily like awful you know mm-hmm. like that does not that does not make them an awful person but it is frustrating trying to make that work um and trying to find child care when it's not a lot of people don't see it as legitimate uh-huh you know um it's always a hobby it's always a little side hustle yeah that you're you know you're trying to make it work you know it's yeah it doesn't ever feel good enough to be used as this is my job. Right. I can relate to that too a lot. Yeah. I totally get that. <laughs> I feel like, so for me, entering into motherhood is where I feel like life got like flipped completely upside down. Like I had personally already been struggling to know like what to do with my art mm-hmm. and how to pursue like a life in the arts before getting pregnant But uh, I was so preoccupied with just trying to survive, trying to, for those that don't know, my husband is also an artist. So, you know, also trying to prioritize him as an artist as well. I mean, there's got to be, while you're working on your craft, there's got to be money coming in, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So just trying to like survive and make money to live and, um, but having a baby is what, brought to light like and I don't mean this (laughs) in a negative way it's gonna sound really negative it's not but like a complete and total loss of self yes yes and so it was just in a way that like basically I felt like I had to relearn how to live my life because 
everything your perspectives are just so flipped completely upside down where it's like okay now there's survival now there's money now there's this thing I really want to be doing the way I want to live how I want to feel mentally but also I have this tiny little baby that can't do anything Mm -hmm. for itself and I love it and I want it to be want this baby to be so happy and so loved and so everything and so it's just like how do I live my life now and you kind of have to rediscover that um yeah I um I specific so with my twin pregnancy um I towards the end I developed what's called cholestasis of pregnancy mm. which basically meant that um there was bile getting into my bloodstream and my liver was failing mm-hmm. and I and my babies were dying oh my gosh like we were actively in the process of dying and if they didn't get them out we were going to die right there, there was not a you know like we can do something to make this better and hold them in a little longer yeah you know and you know it was already just kind of risky having twins in the first place and yeah. being told you and your babies are dying yeah you are getting them taken out yeah and you do like, not have no. a choice right um and you know that was terrifying and i <laughs> i had to rationalize the thought that I am dying right now. Yeah. And my children are dying. Holy cow. <laughs> and then within not even 12 hours, I had both of my children, yeah. you know, surgically removed from me, which was traumatic. Like, yes. I, I, before having my twins, I was like, I'm never getting a C-section. That sounds terrifying. Mm-hmm. That sounds so awful. And like having one, I, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it truly, like, I... I am so jealous of the women that were like, mine was beautiful and I, I enjoyed it so much mm-hmm. and I, I don't have any hard feelings where like I struggled so hard with rationalizing and accepting that I had a C-section. Interesting. Even though I knew we were dying and I, I knew I had to do it to save us, uh-huh. it still was so hard for me to accept the fact that I was awake during a major surgery. Yeah as I was dying yeah (laughs) and like you know like with the cholestasis um it resolves almost immediately after c-section so we went from emergency you're all dying to my children are here and you're all fine and you're alive and nothing is wrong and now go on living and now go on like nothing happened (laughs) right Right. um yeah trying to figure out first of all how to live with twin infants was insane yeah (laughs) and then on top of that I was recovering from a surgery Mm -hmm. that I did not recover well from I struggled Mm -hmm. for over a year yeah with my healing and I had to get like physical therapy and possibly a future surgery like it's it's going to affect me for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. um and you know like going from that to okay now go back to everything you were doing yeah and act normal and you can't be traumatized by this yeah and you can't you know and then I also struggled very severely with postpartum depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. um and that was really difficult as well and yeah it's not something people talk about a lot no you I feel like you hear about postpartum depression pretty often nowadays you know it's a lot more spoken about yeah 
Um, but I didn't know that postpartum anxiety existed. Yeah. I didn't know that postpartum rage was a thing. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that postpartum psychosis happened, you know, right. and I, I am very grateful that I never experienced that, but you know, experiencing the depression and the anxiety was just debilitating it's, it's, for a long time. It's absolutely and debilitating. I, I breastfed my twins mm-hmm. for 17 months uh-huh. <laughs> and I also experienced Deemer, uh-huh. which is dysphoric milk ejection response. So anytime that I fed them, I went to the lowest low that I have ever felt every single time. Wow. It was just constant lows and anger. And like, I, <laughs> it got to the point where I told my family, like, you cannot be within like five feet of me or I'm going to yell at you because yeah. that's just how it felt. Like, yeah. I was just angry and confused and sad and it was so awful trying to recover from that and trying to also run my business that was creative you know like I had to run a creative business while I literally could not think like I I used to write lyrics for a lot of songs Mm -hmm. and I (laughs) I literally tried to like write my thoughts and feelings and tried to like oh maybe if I write it into a song form it'll be easier and I just I couldn't make words like yeah I could not think words in a string that made sense to write down yeah you know Mm -hmm. and having kids totally affected my creativity and totally just like railroaded you know everything Yeah. (laughs) yeah well and it's it's something like you said I feel like while you hear the mention of like postpartum depression or like that it can you can have a difficult birth process like it's not it is not understood by the masses (laughs) it like even recently um because I had a vaginal birth completely different however still very traumatic yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) everything um it it is traumatic no matter what yeah it is typically it is right And, and same took me over a year to physically recover from Mm -hmm. that and I remember saying yeah like I couldn't walk like I don't know if like people like get that like I wanted to go walk in the store and I you can't walk yeah you and yeah and then hearing in response oh well so and so was up and walking the next day and mm-hmm. taking care of xyz and blah, blah, well, blah, I- <laughs> and you're like that's great I couldn't walk and I did not feel good for over a year physically yeah. mentally like two years right like yeah it's, yeah it's a long process yeah Yeah. I I had a v-back with my second pregnancy Uh and my third kid and like while (laughs) my my c-section was traumatic I could not lay down flat for three months yeah after it because it hurt so badly and I yeah it was there was so much that went into it and it just made everything difficult I couldn't walk I couldn't go upstairs in a two-story house that I lived in right um you know and then after having my V back, I, I totally was like, this is amazing, you know? And <laughs> and while, like, I still was like, that was really hard and I'm exhausted, uh-huh. I was like, I don't feel like I'm dying actively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Because, like, I, you know, with the C-section, you know, they cut through your abs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, so, like, yeah. I, I had that complete loss of muscle mm-hmm. use. Like, I could not use them. So, I felt like my organs were falling out. And yeah. 
I happen to, with my C-section, have a spinal headache uh-huh. because of the spinal block that they used, oh and gosh. I was throwing up with a fresh C-section, and oh that my totally destroyed a bunch of my recovery. Oh my um, gosh. And then with my VBAC, he he came out in like four pushes. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is great. Like, right. I like I was up and walking hours later and I was uh-huh. like, I feel amazing compared to last time, you know, yeah. because that's all I had to compare it to. Was yeah. I, I, I felt like I was dying. And then I was like, wow, I don't feel like I'm dying. So I must be fine. Yeah. And I, you know, I was that crazy person that I went to Ikea a week oh after my gosh. My, yeah so, my VBAC. See, you're the person they like, would have been telling me well chloe was no, up and walking and going in, <laughs> let me tell you that was a mistake <laughs> but like yeah. it's so funny to me like how often we as moms here well this person yeah mm-hmm. well that person had a previous c-section that was awful and this time around it was so much easier so right. of course they felt like they could do that because right. it was you know yeah i feel like as moms we especially when it comes to any sort of creative endeavor go well you know oh sky does this yeah why can't i do that yeah sky has a different house and husband and child and (laughs) life experience than me you know Uh and just the dynamics of your day-to-day life are so different so different yeah and we we so often forget that everybody else is you know we are all at different places and (laughs) yeah you're all facing different things yes especially i feel like it, it's really hard especially when you hear it from like an older mom who you kind of look up to or uh-huh. you know you kind of are like i'm kind of drawing my motherhood kind of like plan from you and then hearing that from them is so devastating it is <laughs> it is i i <laughs> i love everything you said i from what ashley kind of said with her kind of gaining inspiration from this, from, you know, pregnancy. Um, I feel like even though like having to go through this, like relearning of how to live, like facing the postpartum depression, facing the, the physical and mental load. Um, I feel like still it gave some really beautiful opportunities, um, when it came to living, a creative life. And I feel like it's because since I had to relearn how to live and go about life in a completely different way, that opens up doors for me to do things differently and not be forced to look at life the same way. And that takes creativity to do, right? (laughs) To be able to open up your eyes to, I can't live this way anymore. Now I got to live this way. Okay. In order to think of how to do that requires creativity. So I feel like I from that experience of going from work, 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 school, 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 work, 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 work all the way through pregnancy, have the baby, boom, like life explodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like it was like, okay, it, it, it kind of opened my eyes to, I have to do art, like again, like I have to have this be a part of my everyday because it's like survival, like in a way. And being able to see that for what it was of no i i i need this like this is a need for me in order especially in order to get through this but it really was always a need mm-hmm. and um so i feel like for me i actually started to do more art again after having a baby than i was doing before when i was 
just working. I mean, I was still doing it, but it became, like I said, more necessary for me. And the importance of art and creativity in my life was amplified to me. It became like a life source for me and something that I somehow had to find a way to do um, throughout that process personally. So, and I feel like that's sort of fascinating because the act of physically creating a person ignited this increased need to create on a daily basis in order to keep myself alive and feeling alive, not just alive, like, cause there's dark moments in that way, but to feel like a person to feel alive. Right. And I feel like that's something that's just really be- beautiful. Like with the birth of my daughter came in a way like a rebirth of myself. And so that experience of going through that sort of shown a light on the fact that there are parts of me that were dead or had been like dying throughout becoming an adult and learning all these things and trying so hard and doing the school and doing the jobs and everything. There were parts of me that were dying in a way and they wanted to be brought back to life again. And the amazing joy and light in my life that my baby is has changed something in me that makes me want to be even more truly myself, kind of like Ashley kind of mentioned at first and to live like more magically to live like this better life. Right. And there's a quote from Peter Pan that I like that talks about um, babies. <laughs> and I always thought it was like a sweet idea. But now thinking about it in relation to my life, I feel like it's true for me. And so I'll read it. It says, um, when the first baby laughed for the first time, its laugh broke into a thousand pieces and they all went skipping about. And that was the beginning of fairies. Mm-hmm. And I feel that so hard. <laughs> I I feel like the laughter and joy from my baby has brought so many fairies into my life now that like to just like sprinkle inspiration and ideas onto me. And I have this increased desire to just grab onto those gifts from those fairies. And yeah, like I look at it that way. Like now it's just, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's so hard. <laughs> it comes with so much that society needs to recognize and needs to help with for us because it's it's completely life shattering and altering to go through this but it also just brings so much inspiration and so much joy and kind of like Ashley you had mentioned like you see you see more of that childhood you see more of like that childlikeness so I wanted to ask Chloe did you have any similar creative awakening after having children or did you notice any creative opportunities after having kids so I yes and no Uh (laughs) um like I experienced really severe creative drought like droughts after having children like the want to create is there but the ability just doesn't exist anymore like totally like how I was saying with um like especially when it comes to me writing music or any sort of written like language anything like that is like I I described it to my husband as like my kids took all of the words with them you know like there's no (laughs) words left to put on the paper I Mm -hmm. can't like formulate the feeling or like the the thing that I'm trying to say it just yeah. doesn't exist anymore yeah um and like I found like I I really I had so many ideas for how oh, I want to make this I want to I want to do this but I struggled to find the abilities to to do them if that makes yes. sense like no I get it, it I totally get it, it 
I struggled so hard just trying to meet any idea or goal at all. Like yeah. it was just difficult to create. Yeah. Um, but inversely, I also noticed that there were way more opportunities to create after. Yeah. Like, and I mean that more in like becoming a mother really encouraged me and I feel like forced me to make more friends like at this point in time I have more friends than I've ever had in my entire life (laughs) and (laughs) I feel like motherhood was kind of the catalyst for that you know like becoming a mom helped you know like a lot of other people go hey I have kids your age you know like and just start conversations like that yeah um and I like seriously like the people that I've met like you guys included like I don't think I've ever had like a group of friends that have been more intelligent and creative and excited for each other than ever. Like, I agree. Like, I don't know. I feel like I I didn't have a lot of friends in high school, so I can't be like, well, you know, like I'm sure people in high school, a lot of friends like didn't like super cheerlead each other on all the time. But, you know, like it's one of those like the vibe of like friendship has changed you know like the definition of it has changed at this point Mm. and then there's also like I feel like there's a huge outpouring of support for creative endeavors in the sense of like oh yeah that's a good idea you should do that like we talked about how early it's hard to find like childcare when you're trying to do something creative but like with my Renfair business um I <laughs> I have roped almost my entire family into it. Like yeah. so like I make a lot of floral pieces and a lot of jewelry. And then my sister and her friend make dice for mm-hmm. like RPGs for like D&D and stuff like that. Yeah. And at one point I was just like, "Hey, do you want to join my business and sell them at Renfair?" And they were like, "Sure." Yeah. And then my mom got involved because she's an amazing baker. And mm-hmm. so she sells handmade bread at the Renaissance Fair. Cool. And then my dad went, well, I want to try something. Yeah. And so now he makes like artisan jellies oh, and sells it. them at the fairs. And it's been so cool, like seeing that my idea, you know, that I had went from, you know, me trying to accomplish it alone to uh-huh. suddenly you know when I asked for help or I asked for involvement they suddenly were open to it yeah after I had kids for some reason yeah I don't know what in the dynamic changed and now it's so cool seeing that bit of Neverland for them yeah you know like doing that is Neverland for me it's Narnia for me it's it's so cathartic and it's so like just it soothes my soul right (laughs) and then seeing it also do that a little bit for them like Mm -hmm. um my dad uh he's he's the most stoic man I think you'll ever like meet or look at (laughs) or happen upon like this man looks like a bear (laughs) if a bear was a human and he he rarely smiles you know like in public he has this jolly look about him though (laughs) (laughs) so side note my my parents went to france where my dad lived for a few years Uh and while they were there people kept calling him father christmas Noel. yes exactly like he would be walking around and like the people there would be like 
That was Santa Claus that just walked by. He has a jovial look. And it didn't help. He wore like a red button-up shirt the whole time too. (laughs) So yeah. No, but like he, he, like watching him specifically because like I feel like I've always really admired my dad because of just, he's made so many sacrifices for our family and has still always shown up 100% for his -hmm. kids. Seeing him kind of get to be that child again yeah at a ren fair and you know like he <laughs> like watching him kind of laugh and interact with people and get to be silly yeah has been so rewarding for me oh, you know I love like, it. it's been so sweet getting to experience neverland with my people oh, you know yeah and like that's that's one thing I've loved about D&D for a while, mm-hmm. you know, is being able to be part of a community experience of pretending and imagining and playing, you know, yes. that is that is my adult version of make pretend, you know, I absolutely and love it. watching it happen with my family members instead of just a group of friends has been so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> oh, Chloe, that's amazing. Ashley, what about you throughout pregnancy? What are the what are the feelings of creative awakening or do you notice any more creative opportunities during this time? Um yeah, I I was thinking while we were all talking that having a child or being pregnant like you are creating. You like are you creating yeah. in a very active <laughs> <A child> way. <laughs> yes, every moment of the day and when they it's it's kind of funny because we talked about how you know oh when you have a child they're not having time to create but you're creating moments and memories and mm-hmm. that's beautiful things that you don't really realize that are so lasting so yeah. i think we under value or undersell motherhood in that way yes. too yes because maybe we don't have time for anything else because that is the greatest thing we're creating at the time. Yeah. You know, so I think that's also important thought um, that I was having, but I definitely think when it comes to photography, something that I love about it is it's all about time capsuling moments and feelings. And I find myself, I feel like I have kind of a nostalgic nature about myself. Yes. For sure. And I mean, I have like albums of my great grandfather's, you know, last week on earth Mm -hmm. and I'm detailing his house and I'm taking pictures of the mailbox and the things that he built. And wow. um, I feel that way when it comes to like this pregnancy, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to take pictures of my body, even though I don't it's hard to know your body when you're creating something, the the change of your body. Yeah. But I'm just, there's, I guess the romanticizing that photography does for me in the sense that you're looking through a lens and you're, you're creating something that you see that maybe somebody else doesn't see. Yeah. And I feel that way a lot with, with this pregnancy is that with like my photography, I'm able to, encapsulate this time in a way that 
is so precious. Like I feel a moment. I look at a picture and I, yeah, I feel the way that I'm, I remember the way that I'm feeling in a certain moment. And so yeah. I think that that's what pregnancy has done for me. And who I really crazy. like that perspective. I think that's really beautiful that you're able to take like, yeah, the looking at, at it is like this capsulation of your experience of the, of your other creative endeavor, which is growing a child, which like you said, it's a night day constant thing that your body is doing and and it's taking everything from you to do it and I really I like that you're able to capture that through your art that's so cool oh okay I wanted to touch on what both of you feel your art and creativity brings into your life for me like I've kind of mentioned it's something transcendent when I can tune into my creativity and just start making things I feel like I'm transported in a way um, and I can catch a glimpse of something beautiful and better than this world it's like getting to catch a glimpse of heaven or like Neverland like we've been talking about you just get this taste of like divinity for a moment and I feel like after coming out of that sort of transcendence it's like I've conquered like that grown up cynic within <laughs> that's always trying to like take over, you know, and and it reminds me of another quote from Peter Pan that talks about how every time you breathe in Neverland, a grown up somewhere dies. <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> and I read that and I was like, what? And so and then it talked about how like um, uh, Peter, Peter and like the lost boys, I think they'll just rant sometimes be like, <laughs> like breathing. <laughs> killing like off the grown-ups somewhere and um that's so funny but it reminds it like for me every time I breathe in that glimpse of Neverland like through creating that I get uh it's like a piece of the grown-up inside me dies like it's just refreshing and freeing on so many levels so I want to know from you guys what does your art and creativity do for you in your life what does it give you that's what it gives me I I definitely believe that it gives me an identity mm. and it also is very therapeutic every time I engage in anything artistic it doesn't matter if it's something like photography or something I'm terrible at like crocheting or you know yeah I think anytime I'm engaging in, in creativity it's it's therapeutic to my mind it also helps me work through insecurities mm. because I feel it's like when you're serving, you feel like you're adding to the world yeah, and you're adding to yourself. And more than anything, the one thing that stood out to me was that it really helps my relationship with God. Mm. And I wrote that you can't create without wondering about the great creator. Ooh. And so I feel like it's been a healing process with like I said myself my yeah my self-esteem or my insecurities but also it's helped me to have this deep relationship with with God mm -hmm. because I'm looking for the beauty in my own life and I think he yeah. he's the one putting that beauty into my life so that's kind of a very religious answer but I I really feel like through that I've I've been more in touch with divinity I like that and I like I like your openness about that because 
it's interesting we both mentioned the words divine like you just feel it it kind of yeah it's creating right it's making something that wasn't there and it does put you kind of in tune to something higher like something bigger than what's right in front of you kind of well I think you have to ask yourself when you're creating like what am I creating for Uh uh-huh and I think you look at the world and you're like well what's all this beauty for Uh uh-huh and what's the purpose of beauty and that would be something really cool to dive into in another oh, I have, I have time. A, I have <laughs> yes. an episode actually planned just I knew, on that I topic. Knew you, <laughs> I knew you probably did. So, but anyway, I think it art is creating beauty, and beauty is is creating truth, and truth is where God dwells. And so, I think it's mm. it's something that just yeah, it helps with that divinity inside of you and. And it's healing to the soul. Well, and I, I like, yeah, like, what is all the beauty here for? Like, it kind of takes you out of that mindset of to make money, to, to make, you know, it's like, or like, I saw this, you know, flower. I saw this like beautiful moment and I just enjoyed it, you know, like it puts you into that. I like that space. Personally, that mm-hmm. space of creativity well, it's that's where I want to live. <laughs> that's where a lot of people and, and you were someone who in, invited me into looking at the Psalms of David differently mm. um, or Psalms of Solomon. So- Song Song of Solomon. Yes. But mm-hmm. wasn't David writing a lot of them? So there's the Psalms, okay. which are written by David. And then there's a song the of songs Sol- of Sol- songs of okay. Sol- song of Solomon is written by Solomon, which is his son. Okay. Those are the ones if I'm not mistaken, but I, it takes almost an artist's love for the art to even understand that. Anyway, that's to even appreciate it or look at it in different ways rather than the literal or rather than the yeah yes yeah, yeah, yeah. that's going totally down a rabbit hole we won't go through down today but it it is beautiful there is a lot of artistry even in in the bible so. oh there is yeah I feel like so for me being creative and creating something is a form of freedom for me yes it oh. you know like it's it's the freedom to express myself in the most whole and honest and inexorable way. Amen. You know, like it is unapologetically and unwaveringly me yeah. that I am putting out there and nobody can taint that. Nobody can manipulate that. Nobody can ruin that for me because that's what I created, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then on top of that, like the act of creating, like when I'm when I'm building something, it's it's my form of solace you know mm-hmm. it is my retreat your you mind know? palace yes like <laughs> in, in my head when I like every single day I am always just anxieties and what-ifs and guilt and yeah and doubt yeah about everything and all the time and I'm I'm constant I feel like I'm constantly spiraling and circling through these what if well then why am I anxious about but what about and you know that is my whole internal monologue all day is just worry and concern and then when I'm creating I step away from that and I I step into the forest of Narnia and I'm a nymph Mm -hmm. making a flower crown or you know I step into Neverland and I'm you know like I'm someone else somewhere else 
just truly being the being that I want to be (laughs) you know like I am not myself and yet I am in the most honest way possible I love that I I feel like especially in regards to motherhood like personal goals and ambition and creativity is really difficult Mm -hmm. in motherhood your goals and your life become centered around another human yes and your ambition and goals is how can I provide better for this person yes how can I be better how can I act better how can I you know prepare it's always how can I do something for someone else yeah and selfishly (laughs) I feel like art gives me a way to set goals for myself mm-hmm. and it I like it sounds really selfish but I, I'm I'm a very strong believer in you can't pour from an empty cup you can't it's not selfish and it's not you know like taking that moment to just retreat and try and find a little peace and yeah. be that nymph be the fairy that's sewing yes. you know clothes out of petals or yes. you know whatever I'm doing you know if if I'm not working on goals for myself that mm-hmm. are not subservient to someone else, right? how am I going to teach my children to do that for themselves? Yeah. Like, and the, you know, that kind of is one of those, well, then you're just setting a goal to be a better mother. But it's one of those, <laughs> you have to set goals to be a better mother in order to set better goals for yourself. Yeah. You know, it's a cycle of you're improving for someone else. And then you're also improving for yourself in order to teach that person. Right. You know, well, and if you're not, if you're not giving time for play for yourself, giving time for creation for yourself, then you're not prioritizing it in your own life, which sends a message as well, exactly. right? To children yeah. of, well, but I don't, I shouldn't have time for this or I shouldn't, whatever. Exactly. And, and then you get more into that Mr. Banks, Mr. Darling mm-hmm. kind of perspective of, of you know facts facts goals work work money like it it just Mm -hmm. becomes a life that how can it possibly have like a good emphasis on that for your kids when when you don't have that in your life exactly to show them I think on top of that art and any sort of creative endeavor endeavor gives an opportunity for self-reflection yeah it gives yeah. an opportunity <laughs> to assess yourself where you're at at yeah. the you know at the point in time you're at and I feel like the more I practice that the more I am able to you know address needs that I have address yeah. needs that other people have and I've noticed too like when I get overwhelmed I I'll like take a step back and just kind of like read a book or you know like a a page or two or like doodle something out and just try and distract myself by creating and I've noticed my kids start doing that wow like see mine's not old enough for me to recognize that so that's yeah they they are so intelligent and they pick up so well and I like it was really hard for me to start doing that because I I struggle really bad with like reactive anger like yeah. if something happens I am, I am angry immediately <laughs> and like I, I I feel so bad but like you know if if a kid did something I'd be like ah you know like yeah. and I'd, I'd, I'd grunt to myself and ball my fists and and my kids started doing that oh, when they wow. got frustrated 
and like it broke my heart because I was uh-huh. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they're they're noticing that I do that. Yeah. And, you know, like oh, so I'm setting that example. Uh-huh. And so like I've been trying to, you know, like reroute that to something else and they've already started wow. picking up on that. That's so cool. And it's it's so interesting to me how trying to be better for myself mm-hmm. and for other people encourages other people to do the same thing yeah you know and like while those other people are my toddlers you know there still is a lesson that people are going to emulate what they see right and especially being a creative being a mother creating anything is going to inspire others around you yes in whichever way you are going to present it as you know (laughs) exactly oh so beautiful i love these answers oh my gosh I think that is funny how in Peter Pan, there's an adult that's trying to live in Neverland. Who is it? You guys know. There's one adult that's like actively trying to live there. Only thinking of the pirates right now. (laughs) Yes, it's Hook. (laughs) I love that the thing, it's Hook. I love that the thing that he's just petrified of is the crocodile with the clock inside of it, representing (laughs) time. There he is in Neverland, magic and adventure and mystery all around him, and yet time is chasing him. Mm. What are your thoughts on this? As, you know, I don't, I would not go as far as to say we are (laughs) kind of adult trying to live in Neverland. I mean, he's the villain in the story, and I don't look at us that way at all. Um, But but I do feel a little like I can relate to him. Um, where like, I'm trying to be there. There's this world is full of so much Our artistic moments and creative endeavors are full of so much of this magic. But yet I do sometimes feel like time is chasing me. And I was just wondering if you guys had any thoughts on this and how, if you could relate at all in terms of the life you're living right now. Well, so with the, the Peter Pan, um, kind of symbology here what what's fascinating to me most about that symbology there is that captain hook is a character of the father mm. he oh, looks the same yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know like the same voice you're you know, right I in the live action that. one it's the same actor and he's you're amazing so right but it's literally <laughs> what it is is you know we see at the beginning the mom you know the mom believes that peter pan is the embodiment of the spirit of youth yes and Captain Hook is actively hunting yes. the spirit of youth, uh-huh. which is the father saying, it's time to grow up. It's time to stop being, mm-hmm. you know, playing these silly games, you know, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, like, it's really kind of mirroring Peter Pan is there and he's always going to be there. Yeah. But there's, you know, like that adult trying to be in Neverland, but not of Neverland. Right. Is also always going to be there trying to stop that oh, so and true. i feel like especially as an adult you know that's trying to be of neverland while also having my feet on the ground uh-huh. you know <laughs> it's so hard trying to find the time and feel like i'm being productive with that time uh-huh. like i often feel like i don't have time for anything or I've wasted all my time. You uh-huh. know, like it's either I don't have any or I have a lot and I've done nothing with it. Yeah. And like I I also hate the phrase make time. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like so often when we're like, I just don't, I don't have time to do this thing that I want to do. And so many times another person will be like, well, you got to make time. Yeah. Stop. Like, <laughs> like, I, 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 that's actually impossible for me. Yes, <laughs> that is literally impossible. And, you know, like I understand that it's, it's supposed to be, you know, like you need to create a schedule that is, allows for that. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the nuance behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like a lot of people forget that especially talking to parents you know children take up a lot of time yeah you know even if they you know like even with well-behaved children that aren't in trouble all the time you still have to supervise and interact with them to ensure their safety and well-being yeah I feel like telling a, a parent to make time is kind of like a it's kind of a half-baked dismissive response you're right to to make people i feel like it's there to make people feel bad for not prioritizing their wants over other needs uh-huh. and wants uh-huh. you know it's not it is dismissive it's, it's dismissive yeah. it's not helpful and i feel like it's very much putting the guilt and the shame and the blame on the person for even wanting to do something. You're so right. And not putting the most amount of work ever into making sure it happens. Yeah. When yeah. Life happens, man. Yeah. Like, you know, the amount of times that I have had a plan for my day and then none of it happened. Uh-huh. Just because, you know, kids happen, family happens, yeah. you know, like... Yeah. There are so many things going on all the time. And it's like your family is like this little society within itself, which mm-hmm. in that society within itself is not talked about within society. So it's like not understood that like, yeah, yeah. I'm operating in like a different sphere here. Yes. Right? Like, like this is there not... is so much more going on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, what about you? Is there something um, or do you ever feel petrified by time in your life, especially when it comes to being an artist? And how do you fight against that? So I don't necessarily struggle with time right now. I think I have an excess of it, just Mm. it being me and my husband. So I'm sure I'll relate soon. (laughs) I I don't know if I'm looking forward to that. but, um, But I was thinking with in regards to photography that it's it's not necessarily feeling like time is being lost, but it's more comparing my time with other people's time and mm. the guilt of perhaps not using it wisely. Okay. I also feel that it's very easy to, I think whatever age you start something, like I'm in my late 20s starting photography, I will see lots of 20, 22, totally. That's a big young thing. people, even teenagers yeah. that are into photography and they're way better than I am. Right, right, right. And so that's something that struggles, that I have a struggle with or even, well, they're younger, they get more of the style or Mm -hmm. trying to keep up with the trends as I'm getting older. Yeah. As you get older, sometimes you get stuck maybe in a trend or whatever. And so I think that's why I've been really trying to emphasize just finding my own individual style, not trying to flow with the trends yeah because that's a huge thing I'm sure with any art form but especially in photography is well what are people paying for what are people wanting to have in a photographer yes and so just basically having your own individual stamp and Uh being confident in that 
and taking the time to develop that. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of me. I don't necessarily feel that my time's being wasted or that time is being taken from me, but I do, in a sense, starting something a little bit older. Yeah. Wonder, oh, well, how good of this thing am I going to get if I'm starting it now? I can relate to that. I can relate to that a lot. I mean, with with (laughs) any kind of art, I think it really does relate. And with feeling like, okay, now I'm aging out of X or now I'm too old to start X Mm -hmm. or even, I mean, my husband's an artist and he'll often feel like, like kind of what you said, there's so many people younger than me that are getting some of these jobs that I really want. Like, what am I, is this something I shouldn't be doing? Am I, is this timing out? And that totally is that like crocodile chasing you with the clock Mm -hmm. of like, no, no, it's never too late. Yeah, it's one of those like my my husband and I are in our, are in our late twenties and we're we're just getting through college, you yeah. know. Which you know, like in my experience, I feel like most people were done with it by like you know like early twenties, mm. you know. So we're we feel like we're like a step late in the game, you know. We're we just feel, getting mm-hmm. out of college and starting careers. It's so hard trying to be like, well, I'm starting this new endeavor. And everybody kind of goes, aren't you too old for that? Like, especially like for me with like my art being tied a lot to D&D, which is seen as kind of a kid type hobby. People are, yeah. Renaissance Mm -hmm. fair is kind of silly and childish, you know, where, you know, like. It's always that way with any art. Exactly. It's always that way with any creative. And then on top of that too, like I I want to be that person that runs around in cute frilly dresses. I know. You know, like I love like expressing myself through what I wear mm-hmm. and you know how I look. And it's just not really widely acceptable to be a late 20-year-old, almost 30-year-old running around in cute dresses and heels. There's that you know? and it's also hard <laughs> like as a mom where you're like my body isn't like is changed too and yes, now like I do how do I how do I even relate to myself in my mind really exactly. like in relation to yeah. my physical like, yeah it's, it's a <laughs> lot yeah, like, <laughs> there's all so many things well it's funny when you you start feeling more like the stepmom in Cinderella <laughs> than <Yeah>. Cinderella <laughs> but you're like no I'm still Cinderella <laughs> but you look like the stepmom now. no but no. it's just funny to kind of like grow up and and yeah it changed things change yeah. the things yeah. change but yeah. you're yeah your internal how you feel and how you want to express yourself might not change and and just just figuring out what that looks like for you mm-hmm. um I wanted to uh there's this quote it's not a Peter Pan quote but I felt like it was a very Neverlandish quote it's by Sarah Jones who is an amazing comic and she says, what would you do if the only metric of your success was your joy? And I just really liked that. It gave me mm. so much to think about because, I mean, what would you do if that was the only the only thing that you could measure your success by was your joy? Um, yes. What are your thoughts on that? And does it inspire you to live any differently than you are today? Hmm. <laughs> That's a really deep one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I feel like that's definitely one of those 
um it just brings me back to the mom guilt you know where you're like you you'll be joyous with your child about something and then you know you you get distracted by life and Mm -hmm. being a mom again and you're like i i wish i could have had more of that oh interesting you know like especially i have an infant learning how to stand and walk right now you know and like my my three-year-old one of my three-year-olds just taught himself how to write letters uh-huh. And oh my gosh, like watching him for the first time write his letters. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was like, yeah. like crying. So I'm so excited. And then my infant fell and smacked his face. Oh, yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's not like I'm mad at my baby for falling no. over. But was, I wish I could have enjoyed that moment yeah. more. And then, you know, like finding finding a way to be unapologetically joyous in what you want to do like mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times like being a small business owner I went I have to take everything seriously uh-huh and I can't have any fun <laughs> and I, you know like I have to make sure everything works and be it's so... like that's the measure of like honor or the yeah. medal of honor sometimes yes, of like how successful you are is how much pain you're in how serious <laughs> and how tortured you are and yeah. like how tired you are yeah <laughs> and like let me tell you like being a creative at all means you're going to experience joy in your work yeah but where where I really experience the most joy is the people I get to interact with with my art you know like I sell pieces that people wear and so watching people I cannot tell you the amount of times I have watched people fall in love with themselves and it's it like it almost makes me cry every time because watching someone walk into a booth that you know like I I won't say like I'm amazing at reading people, but you know, you watch people walk in and they're shy and they're not so sure of themselves Mm -hmm. and what to do and if they can touch anything and, you know, watching them put on a necklace that I've made or watching them put on a flower crown and looking in the mirror and going, whoa, Mm -hmm. is so incredible. Like the joy that I get from watching other people experience joy (laughs) is, is so amazing in this line of work and like, With my sister, she makes dice for, you know, like RPGs and there's kind of a culture within that community where you, you know, you get like a new set of dice for each character that match that character. Yes. Kind of, you know, like they give it a little bit of life Mm -hmm. um, and connection and watching people walk in and go, ooh, you know, like that looks cool or, you know, kind of we, we call it crow brain, Uh (laughs) you know, where people go, ooh, that's shiny. Ooh, that's pretty. Ooh, I like that one. You know, and just just watching the little pieces of joy that people can find when they're allowed to find it is so it's so rewarding and joyous to me. I love that. What about you, Ashley? Um, I feel like photography is is difficult in the sense that you're taking pictures of others, how you perceive them, Mm -hmm. how what you see in their soul and and their beauty. Yeah. And not everyone has appreciation for that. Not everybody Mm. wants to see themselves maybe in the mirror that you're shining on them. Interesting. And so I feel like I go through certain regressions in photography because of the opinions of other people. I think that's the main thing that maybe holds me back is – I'm getting rid of this photo over this photo because I think 
this person will like it. And that kind of comes with the business, right? Yeah. You're just trying to, at the end of the day, these are the photos of your client and you're trying to please them. Yeah. But there's actually a really funny episode of The Crown, if you guys are familiar with uh-huh. it. But the, it's the painter who paints Winston Churchill. Uh-huh. And Winston Churchill is very old at the time. And the portrait of him is very reflecting of what he looks like at that time which is a little like old man Mm -hmm. but he's very has very powerful past and he wants to look like he looked in his youth Mm. and he's very upset with the artist because he's like this is the ugliest painting I've ever seen and and in real life he and I think his wife ends up burning it Oh my gosh. Because Winston Churchill hated that painting. Wow. I think after his death, his wife like burned it. Wow. Because he hated it. I don't remember the exact story, Oof. but I know it ended up getting burnt. And um, so long story short, I think I love that you said if the only metric of our success was our joy, we would, for me, that would mean foregoing all the opinions of mm. other people. And which seems to be my major stumbling point block when I am creating is is that and I think there's a good balance with photography in that sense totally totally but I think if I kind of let go a little bit more of that I would take more creative liberties I really like using different lenses and and doing more artistic kind of shots yeah but I'm always wondering if the person I'm taking the pictures of even wants that interesting so I also have to really learn my client and know one time I delivered a gallery full of black and whites and they wanted them all in color yeah where for me I'm a photographer once gave me just black and whites and I just respected that decision because they were so moody and beautiful okay okay everything so I think it's just maybe like knowing your client obviously when you're creating for someone but also not letting that necessarily interfere with with your creativity oh my gosh I love this so much I I want to um and I think that I had asked did I ask you guys to pick a quote you loved okay we're gonna end with your guys's quotes and I wanted to hear what you guys picked out what quotes from Peter Pan the book or the movie whichever rendition speak to you and why so I will say and I've, I've had this conversation with Sky. I think the superior rendition of Peter Pan is the movie Hook <laughs> I so good. think it gives so much more character to Peter Pan and if those who aren't familiar with it it's basically Peter Pan grows up and his kids get kidnapped by captain hook and he has to go back to neverland to save them yeah and he has forgotten who he is he's forgotten that he was peter pan he can't fly he can't crow he can't do anything yeah so what i really love and i'm not actually familiar if it says this in the book Uh peter pan i know peter pan says to die would be an awfully great adventure yes Mm -hmm. but in hook he also says that but in the end, when he saves his kids and leaves Neverland, he says to live would be an awfully great adventure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and awfully big adventure. And I think it kind of just summarizes how I felt talking today with you guys is that just like 
in that story of Peter Pan, he lost his child, child within him. Yeah. And he found it back in Neverland. And I think it was kind of momentous that he said to live would be an awfully great adventure because he hadn't been living right. a great adventure. Right. He had been living in a way he'd been living to die. Yes. And so he also found that within his children. Yeah. And I think that's just so, so beautiful and just a great reminder that we don't have to lose that excitement to live, that excitement to have an adventure, Mm -hmm. that life's an adventure. Yeah. That children and family and all these things can be our muse. Like in the movie Hook, his happy thought ends up being his children. Yeah. He ends up being able to fly because he thinks of his children. I love that. And he ends up realizing that he actually left Neverland because he wanted children. I love that. And so I just think it's so beautiful and such a roundabout way to say that there is such a magic in childhood. Yeah. There's a magic that doesn't need to be lost. Yeah. And a lot of times a magic that's found and reborn once we have children and family. I love it. It's such a good, like, positive and I feel like inspiring outlook on just the phase of life that we're going through. Mm-hmm. Sounds really sweet. Mine, uh, mine comes from the, the Disney movie and it's, um, <laughs> it's within like the first two minutes of the movie and it's during the credits and you know they have the you know they're singing the second star to the right and, mm-hmm. and the first lyrics lyrics of the song are the second star to the right shines in the night for you to tell you that the dreams you plan really can come true mm-hmm. and that really struck me because I feel like you know we hear the quote a dream isn't a goal until you write it down oh <laughs> you know like I, I've heard Stupid. that so yeah. many times <laughs> and I'm like oh I guess you know uh-huh. but you know, like looking at it as, you know, the, the dreams that you plan, you know, like you don't have to be so meticulously serious about I'm planning to do this exactly and this is how I'm going to do yeah. it and this is my time, you know, like just knowing that you have that ability to think of something, anything. Yeah. And you can, you can make it happen, yeah. you know, like it, I, I did not, if you asked me five even years ago if I thought I would be running a renaissance fair business <laughs> I'd be like you're insane that's yeah. crazy I've thought about it before but yeah how like that makes no sense and you know like it never really was a I'm gonna write this down and execute my plan step by step it was mm-hmm. there's kind of magic and wonder in figuring out how to end up there yeah you know like it's so cheesy there's joy in the journey but there is knowing that you have a dream and that it's possible yeah I feel makes life so much more magical it does you know like right now we're (laughs) we're working on prototyping a lot of new products right now and they're kind of like long-standing dreams that I've had to Mm -hmm. make and seeing them slowly come to life is I feel almost more joyous than just getting it right the first time, Yeah, you know, or, you know, like it, it's so fun being able to be part of a creative process and not just making something and being done. Yeah. You know, there is that wonder in the world uh-huh. that that's possible, you know, 
we're allowed to dream and we're allowed to achieve it you know like yeah <laughs> it's it's possible to be a circus performer it's possible to be a fairy yeah you know and i have been yeah i've been there and i've been a fairy and i've had people like experience that and realize that that's possible for them too yeah it's i just feel like realizing that the dreams you plan really do come true is so it's such an a quintessential part of being human yes oh I love it and giving yourself the permission to do that and not not letting you know the the harsh realities of survival yeah (laughs) keep you from that (laughs) um I feel like this has just been such a beautiful conversation and I thank you guys for being here I just love this topic. I absolutely love this story. I felt like they go hand in hand. Um, When I was a kid, I remember one of the most exciting parts of the story to me was the concept of how Peter Pan comes in through Wendy's window at night when she is least expecting it, right? And I remember thinking, like when I was little, that I wanted to leave my window open too because you never know when he's going to come and like whisk you away for an adventure. And the idea of just leaving your window open is still exciting to me. And I think it perfectly encapsulates the concept of how creativity works. Like inspiration just sort of comes to you at random moments. And sometimes it's when you least expect it. And you have to have your heart and mind and like the window to your soul open to it. And when you do, you allow it to come in and invite you on an adventure. And creative living to me is having the bravery to say yes when those ideas come to you. And I think that it's only in that bravery of saying yes that the magic can start to happen and you can learn how to fly and see the mermaids and run from pirates. And there doesn't have to be a big end goal to it, which we sometimes place on ourselves when it comes to making art. And I think that the beauty of it can truly be found in just living out the adventure of creating something. I mean, like thinking of it from the concept of the book, like, yes, Wendy gets to fly to Neverland and have this grand old time, but she does, does she have to come? She does have to come back afterward and she does have to live and do the ordinary day-to-day things. And there's no like worldly souvenir of, hey, look, I went to Neverland and had this like magical time. And guess what else I brought back? Like all this pirate treasure and now I'm rich and famous. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe there's a version of that story out there where that happens. But um, typically <laughs> the story is that Wendy gets to go to Neverland and um, enjoy it and then come back and leave her window open so she can hopefully, hopefully be invited out again for a magical time. And I just love that concept of looking at artistic inspiration in the same way, not expecting any really gain or notoriety from taking part in it all the time, but simply just enjoying the adventure of living it and making the thing. Um, My quote that I really liked is from the book, I believe. And it's, Wendy, Wendy, when you're sleeping in your silly bed, you might be flying about about with me saying funny things to the stars and I just like that I just you know that leaving that window open we can be doing these silly things we can be doing and creating things that don't have to mean anything at all and sometimes they will though and it just is the magic of it we don't know and but it's worth it and it's it's beautiful and I just 
thank you guys so much for coming and talking with me. It means so much to have you guys here and to get all of your magical thoughts and ideas. And you both inspire me and make me want to be a better person. And I thank everyone who listened to our episode today. I hope that you will all go forward into your creative life with a refreshed sense of youthful adventure, no matter how old you are or where you are at in life. If you love to make things, you're an artist and no one needs to qualify you to be so. No university or professional gets to decide that for you. So I hope that you'll leave the window open to your soul tonight and let the fairies sprinkle some ideas and inspiration on you and take you on an adventure that only you can say yes to. Love you guys. Bye. 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 <laughs>